came to me uh, after the uh, service tonight. We'll have a very quick business meeting, and I'd like to vote on uh, coat. Um, and we put on Christ, which is which is telling us how we how we live a daily life, right? We're to live every day, every day by uh, uh, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, living as Jesus. Uh, would live, and it's a choice that we make every day. We choose to do this. We choose whether we're going to be, whether we're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the only way to successfully put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe you could say it's the two sides of the same coin, but uh, the only way to really put on the Lord Jesus Christ is by walking in the Spirit. And 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 you could say the other side of the coin: if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you're going to put on Christ. If you're going to put on Christ, you're going to have to walk in the Spirit. And so having the, the walking in the Spirit, right, uh, is, is, you know, people say, well, what does that look like to walk in the Spirit? We have a lot of things out there, a lot of uh, things you could watch on your internet or watch on your TV and things like that of what some people say walking in the Spirit is, right? There's all sorts of examples out there, whether they're going to uh, be slain in the Spirit or whether they're going to babble in tongues or whether they're going to, you know, do all sorts of weird types of things and of walking in the Spirit. But really and simply and biblically, walking in the Spirit is simply having the Word of God in our heart and living in obedience at every intersection of life. Living in obedience to the Word of God in every intersection of our life. And, uh, and I'm, it's kind of hard to walk in the Spirit when you don't know the Word of God. I can tell you that, right? But if we have the Word of God in our heart, we have it upon our mind, we have it in our heart, we're in the Word of God. I'm telling you, we're going to come to crossroads in life, and uh, we, we'll make decisions at every crossroad, whether we're going to obey the Spirit or whether we're going to obey the world, the flesh, or the devil. It's up to us. Uh, you know, Hunter, come here. Let me. Show, I'm going to show you something. This is what you get, Brother Earl. I'm going to have you help me too. Did you have that little paper I gave you, Brother Earl? I'm going to show you what it. I'm going to show you an intersection. Right now, I am mad at Hunter. I'm furious, and I'm so mad. Brother Brother Earl is going to come up because Brother Earl is the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that? Ooh, careful. He is a. <laughs> you can come up over here, and I'm getting ready to yell. This is weird looking at you up this level. Maybe I better get down. I'm getting ready to yell at, I am so mad at you. You know what he did? I can't even tell you what he did. I'm so mad. I'm just ready. And so as I'm about to yell at Hunter, I'm at a crossroad in my life now. All right? I'm getting ready to yell at him. If it gets bad enough and he yells back, I might, you know, might be ready to hurt him. And as I'm about to yell, the Holy Spirit of God might say, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You ever have that happen at a crossroad? You're getting ready to say something. You're getting ready to do something. You're getting ready to go somewhere. And the Spirit of God says, uh, uh, uh. And a verse comes to your mind. So watch, right now I have, I have a choice to make. If I walk in the Spirit... If I'm going to choose to walk in the Spirit and put on Christ, I'm going to forgive this guy and I'm not going to scream at him and hit him Amen. and whatever else I'm going to do. Or if I'm going to reject this, the word that the Spirit of God came to me, I'm just going to sock him right in the nose, right? I'm just going to bust his mouth, right? I'm not serious. Thank you. You can sit down. This is, this is, no, we come to these crossroads all the time, don't we? We come to crossroads and we're going to decide whether we're going to obey what the Spirit of God is saying or we're going to obey ourselves. When we obey the Spirit, that is called walking in the Spirit. It's that simple. It really is that simple. And so, when we walk in the Spirit, trouble, though, arises, doesn't it? When we endeavor to walk in the Spirit, when we endeavor to live a godly life, when we endeavor to live in obedience right? We find out that something else shows up. The Apostle Paul said it, didn't he? In Romans 7, 21, he said, I find there then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Now he was talking about the flesh. And we know that when, uh, when we attempt to serve God, our flesh tends to rise up. But we know all, also that um, we not only have our flesh, we have the world, we have the flesh, we also have the devil, 
Right? Paul said this also in 1 Thessalonians. He said, Wherefore I would have come unto you, right? Even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And you're going to find out when you choose to walk in the Spirit, when you choose to put on Christ, when you choose to live in obedience, you're going to get fought, but you're going to get pushed back by your flesh, and you're going to get pushed back by Satan himself. Luke 22, Jesus, we'll look at this again probably briefly, but Jesus had told Peter, and he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, right, that he may sift you as wheat. So watch this. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, you are going to have opposition. You're going to have opposition. And tonight we're going to see how to prepare for the attacks of the opposition. How do you prepare for the attacks of the, uh, of the adversary? And we see here in, uh, in uh, Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, Paul starts this way. He has dealt with the foot walking in the Spirit. He has dealt with putting on Christ. He has dealt with what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, living in submission one to another, living in submission, husbands to God, wives to husband, children to parents, uh, workers to servants, uh, or servants to, to masters. He, he has shown us what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. And he says here in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Why? There's opposition. There's opposition from our flesh, from the world, and from the devil. Verse 11 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And Brother Jim read our text for us, and it goes on from here. And uh, we see tonight that not only do, uh, do, do we uh, need to be prepared for attacks from the enemy, the, one of the best ways to prepare, number one, is to remember that we do have an adversary. We do. Listen, uh, we have somebody who hates us. And you know what? I, I probably have, I've said this before, but I think probably the greater reason that Satan hates us is because he hates the one who loves us. He hates God and he hates us and he hates everything that God loves. First Peter 5, 8, Peter himself, who knows very well what it is to uh, get sidetracked from an adversary. He said, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And there's so much uh, there in that verse and, and uh, the, 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 the tactics of Satan and, and the, how methodical he is and how patient he is he, as he is and how calculating as he is. Somebody said this, the, the second most patient person in the world is Satan. God is number one. Satan is number two. Somebody said this, he'll wait an entire lifetime to destroy it. And we see evidences of it all around us, don't we? Absolutely. We need to understand that we have an adversary. We have somebody who hates God, and because, and, and because he hates God, he hates us. And there would be nothing greater that he would enjoy and than, than to, I, I don't know another way to say this, and I hope it doesn't come out wrong, but to rub God's nose in what he has done through us than to destroy us and make him look bad. Right? Oh, you saved that one? Good job. Yeah, look what they did. Right? Oh, he, would love to, he loves doing that stuff. Absolutely. And we know this about our adversary. First thing we notice is that we know is that he is powerful. Don't underestimate the ability and the power of Satan. There are people running around and say, oh, I, just, I just tell them to get lost. And I, I mean, I understand, I do. I understand we have, the, we have, we have access and authority uh, through Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus. Remember Satan, uh, Michael the Archangel, angel, uh, angel durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. I mean, so Michael the Archangel didn't stand up and say, let me tell you something, Satan, buddy, Right? No, he didn't say that. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. And yes, we have authority and we have, we have that authority in Jesus Christ. But listen, be careful. Be careful. Satan is a powerful, powerful being. In Luke 22, I mentioned this, uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper and he's teaching them uh, there at the Lord's Supper about his broken body and his poured out blood. And he's saying to do it in remembrance of him. And then he's going on in Luke 22 and he's teaching them what the greatest in the kingdom looks like. And Jesus is saying the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of God. Whoever is going to be your servant, whoever stands up and says, I'm servant, they're the greatest. This is what Jesus said. And then it's seemingly out of nowhere. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan desires to have thee. 
that he might sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. It was kind of, seems like out in the middle of nowhere. But you know what? Peter didn't believe the warning. You can go back and look at it. In, in Luke 22, one of these days, you can go, or tonight or sometime, you go back and look at it. Peter didn't really believe him. Peter said, oh, no, no way, Lord. I'm gonna, I, will, I will die for you. I will die for you. But that very night, Peter was going to go from saying, I will die for you, to three times denying him. Oh, I'm telling you, he's powerful. Jesus told him, he, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Yeah. Can I tell you what, what's the thing about wheat within the sift? Is that it has no power at all, all, all over the one who's doing the sifting. The wheat never rises up and says, okay, enough. <laughs> I'm out of here. Jumps out of the... Uh, no. Jesus was telling Peter, be careful. Satan wants you. Listen, if Jesus was not praying for him, Satan would have absolutely been able to destroy Peter and absolutely take him out of the way. You wouldn't have the preaching at Pentecost. You wouldn't have had the 3,000 saved. You wouldn't have 1 Peter and 2 Peter. You wouldn't have had all that we had, right? Satan is powerful. We need to understand that. Our adversary. But watch this. Even though he's powerful, he can be resisted and he can be defeated. How? How? How, how do we see victory against our adversary? Well, here it is in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 11, it tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is, this is an emphatic truth. We are able, it is possible for us to stand against the onslaught of Satan. It is possible for us to stand, but it's not us. <laughs> yeah, it's Christ and it's what we put on. It's what we put on. Notice here in verses 11 through 18, we have a very powerful adversary, but he has given us powerful armor. He's given us a great armor in verses 11 through 18. We have armor. Look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you this? The first thing we got to know when the onslaught of Satan is coming, we have to know where the battle is and who the battle is against. We are told here in verse 12, listen, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle isn't against one another, especially within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, it may seem at times that the battle is against somebody in the church, and it just may be that Satan is riling things up through somebody else, and he's riling the, the church up and bringing division and, and, and uh, a lack of unity because somebody may be not walking in the spirit, but they're walking in the flesh, and Satan is using them. But when, even when you in, encounter that within the body, you've got to realize and say, that's not really them. They're, they're, they're allowing themselves to be used of Satan. And watch, it causes us to know how to, how, how to, how to deal with that, right? Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against powers and principalities, rulers of, of darkness of this world, and it's against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is spiritual. There's, not, there's, there's nothing worse than showing up to a battle and you're at the wrong place. You got all your gear on, you got your sword, you got your shield, man, you're ready to fight, and you're like, well, where'd everybody go? Well, uh, you didn't get the memo. The battle's not here, it's over there, right? But you know what's even worse than showing up at the wrong site? Is uh, showing up fighting the wrong person. Fighting the wrong one. Sometimes we fight one another and we ought not to. Because we're not the enemy. It's him. Right? And so our battle is, with, is a spiritual battle. Look at verse 13. Verse 12, you've got to know where the battle is. But verse 13, we are told to put on all of the armor of God. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Even though the armor has parts to it, multiple parts, all of those parts inter intersect into one. And if you have them all together, you have a whole armor. You have one cohesive unit when you're done of protection. If you're missing any of those, right, you have left yourself open for attack. You've got to have all of it on, right? 
I know you've noticed this. I know you know this and you've, you've learned this before. But if you'll notice in the armament of God before we go on, this armament, the spiritual armor that we've been provided for a spiritual battle, there is no protection for our back. God never intended us to run from battle. He always intended us to stand. Look at this, verse 12, uh, verse 13, Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. The point of the armor is so we can stand. The point of the armor is so we can look straight ahead into battle. The point of the armor is that we don't tuck tail and run, right? The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. God has given us spiritual armament to stand against the onslaughts of Satan. Hey, come on. Listen, this, this isn't like, you know, this isn't like some make-believe kind of neat little stuff. Satan is real. Devils are real. The attack against us is real. Right? You know, in America, I don't think we're exposed that much to the demonic activity that's out there. We're not exposed like we are. I had a, I had a missionary tell me one time, because there's things I see on the field I would never tell an American church. They just wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't believe me. They'd think we're nuts. Yep. He said, I watched a girl uh, rise up at, at, around a big fire I watched her uh, levitate up and over the fire and back to the other side. I watched her do it. Yeah, pretty weird stuff. I had a, I had a guy ask me, guy I worked with, uh, not a, he's not an independent Baptist missionary by any means, but he said, uh, "Do you think people can fly?" I said, oh, "I don't know." He said, "Well, there's a witch doctor in South Africa where we work that would fly." Okay, I'm telling you, the demon world is real, friend. We have, we, have, we have a spiritual battle in front of us. Some of the, listen, some of the things that come into our life that we don't really understand what's going on, sometimes it's just purely demonic, right? You know, the bitterness and the anger towards somebody, we don't know why. Sometimes, you ever been mad at somebody? You go, I don't even know why I'm mad at them. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's a spiritual battle. Listen, if you want to live that way in your Christian life, oh boy, I'm sorry. But that's not, watch, that's not how we successfully live, walking in the Spirit and putting on Christ. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to walk uh, putting on Christ, we're going to have to have some armor because we are going to be in a spiritual battle. We absolutely are. We stand. Listen, this armor is so we can stand, not run. Not run. How many remember that song? It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will. I came here to stay. Remember that? That's a neat old song. I know. We, 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 no, this is what a Christian does. God puts us somewhere and we say, well, this is where he put us to stay. This is where we're going to stay. We are meant to go forward, not backward. We're meant to be bold as a lion, not running like a coward. We're supposed to stay. And it begins with armor. And notice what the armor begins with. God has given us a way to stand. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I know we know what this is, but just for a review, in battle they would tie up their robes. Uh, some, some would contend in this, this, this girding up of the loins, this tying up of the loins, isn't necessarily a part of the actual battle armament but it's put up out of the way so the armament can go on and uh, but others will say well there is a belt like a duty belt like a police officer would might have and uh, they would bring the robes up they'd tie them up out of the way why so they can so they can run forward into battle not get tripped up nothing worse than trying to fight somebody with a dress on that's hard especially a long one and um, and they would bring their robes up and tie them up, and they'd have this belt. That belt would hold, could hold their their sword and some of their armament or some of their weapons and things like that. I have been told, and uh, and so we are told here the very first thing that we're told to do is to gird up your loins, gird uh, having your loins gird about with truth. Now, for the Christian, truth. Right is what ties up our mind so we can be nimble enough to respond to Satan, to respond to attacks. Notice truth is the first thing mentioned here. It's the first thing mentioned among the armament that we have. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. It's not physical. 
Satan attack, watch Satan attacks our mind. He, di he distorts and lies. He comes along and says, Hath God said, Hath God said, Ye shall not surely die. You're going to be okay. God doesn't care about that. I mean, oh man, the attacks come in against the mind like you wouldn't believe. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We see here that truth is the belt. If your thinking is wrong in your spiritual battle, if your thinking is wrong, right, your mobility is stifled, you are going to trip up. You're going to have some arrows poking out of you. It's not good. Right? It's hard to fight with an arrow hanging out of you. It just doesn't feel good. Last time I had one hanging out of me, I didn't like it. And uh, Okay, I made that up. I've never had one. But anyway, but I can tell you it's got to hurt. We used to have these thorn trees. Talk about it. We had these big thorn trees. And my brother would bake, break them off, the thorns, and he'd put a little bit of tight tape around the end of it, and he'd put it in a straw and spit it at you. Right? Yeah, oh, he was cruel. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, those don't feel good. Right? It's, it's kind of hard to move forward when you've got one of them sticking out of the side of your head. Right? And, uh, no, we have armament. It, listen, it is truth. So how, watch, how do we tie up our mind with truth? What's the word of God? Yeah. It's the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the alive. Jesus in his prayer, in, in, in the real Lord's prayer in John 17, 17, he said he was praying, he was praying for those that were going to, he said, would believe on him. And he said to, to his father, sanctify them through thy uh, truth. Thy word is truth. So watch, if, you are, if we are not immersed in the Word of God, if we are not uh, spending our, our days and our mornings and our days and our evenings immersed in the Word of God, we are not able to move like we ought to move, like that soldier would move with his robes tied up and out of the way and the belt put on and, 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 the, and his ability to move and, and get around. We're not going to be able to move. <clears throat> Listen, if the word of God isn't, a, isn't, isn't the, the belt in our life, the truth in our life that is keeping everything up out of the way. It's the word of God. No, listen, I know we've been talking about more Bible. I know it comes up all the time. It cannot be said enough. But we have got to set time aside every day to be in the word of God. Do you think Satan, hey, do you think Satan goes, eh, I'm not too worried about him today. I don't think so. I don't think so. You should have verses to memorize. I started memorizing Romans 6 again. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, find, find a verse to memorize. Find a chapter to memorize. Do you not think Satan has the Bible memorized? <laughs> yeah. He's good at twisting it too, isn't he? Maybe you need to put verses. We, I think we mentioned this in uh, discipleship tonight. Maybe you need to put verses on an index card. Maybe you need to post them in your house, right? Maybe you need to be memorizing the Word of God. It, it said over in Deuteronomy, God told Israel in Deuteronomy 11, Therefore shall you lay up these, word, uh, these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. Listen, fill your house, and fill your walls, and fill your uh, appliances, and on the outside, and the, just put the word of God everywhere in your house. Put it in your car, why? So it's in front of you every time that you look at it, right? What do you put in your kitchen? What do you put on your refrigerator? I don't know. Put a knife to thy throat if you're given to appetite. That's a good one. There you go. Put that one on there. <laughs> Put it in your bedroom as a sloth upon his bed, as a door upon his hinges, so is the sloth upon his bed. That's a good one to have right by your bedside every morning when the alarm goes off, right? No, listen, I'm telling you, I'm serious. This is the truth that, we, that is a part of the armor that God has given us. Right? So we have victory 
over the adversary. Job 32, Job says, neither, neither have I gone back from thy commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Well, there's one to go in the kitchen. That's a good one, isn't it? Right? Job says, I need the word of God. I need the spiritual food far more than I need the physical food. Boy, isn't that true. Yeah. Hey, if you don't have a constant diet of the Bible... You're not going to be able to stand against Satan's attacks. You're not going to be able to be mobile. But notice what he has here secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. When Paul was writing this, the typical Roman soldier would have been wearing what was called the Lorca Segmentata. It was what you, you have seen the pictures of it, no doubt. The photos, the, the drawings of the Roman soldiers and they had the helmet with that red uh, type of... Uh, you know, Mohawk thing looking on the top of the helmet. And they had this, this armor that they wore that was overlapping segments of metal that overlapped. And I tell you, when that thing was on, it was working. It was heavy. It was uncomfortable. There was a lot of maintenance and upkeep that it required. But it was almost, almost completely impervious to being penetrated by the weapons of that day. Almost completely impervious. And this is the imagery that Paul is using to describe the second aspect, the second segment of our armor. The breastplate covers what? The upper torso. It's protecting all the vital organs. The lungs, the liver, the spleen, the intestines, your guts, yeah, your heart. Protecting your heart. Above all, it protects the heart. You know, you might be able to take some damage to the liver. Maybe not. But you might be able to take some of the damage to the liver. You might may take a little damage to the spleen, you know, a bruising or something like that. But listen, you're not going to survive an arrow or a sword through the heart. Right? It's not going to happen. You notice the spiritual, the spiritual purpose of the breastplate. It's the protection of the heart that I believe Paul is the most concerned with. If Satan can get you away from, if he can't get you away from truth, if he can't make you walk away and say, well, I don't believe this, I just don't believe it's the Word of God, which I don't see how anybody born again of the Spirit of God would ever say that. But if for some reason he can get you away from the, if, if he can't get you away from truth, he'll go after your heart. Even get your heart, then he'll get you away from truth. See, David was a man after God's own heart, amen? He was. Even after many failures, after much sin in David's life, he died, listen, he died with a heart to build a, a, a temple to God. He died with the desire to build the temple for God. He still had a heart for God. But not Solomon. Solomon's heart was stolen. He gave it away to his many wives. Yeah. Both of them had truth. David had truth. Solomon had truth. One wrote the Psalms, though, but one wrote Ecclesiastes. Look at the difference. David was followed by Solomon, who he prepared so he could build the temple. Solomon was followed by who? Rehoboam, who split the kingdom. It was David that said in the 139th Psalm, verse 33, I think it is, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts. Oh, David had a heart for God, but in Ecclesiastes 1.17, it was Solomon who said, I gave my heart to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly, and I perceive this also as vexation of spirit. Ugh, what a difference. Ironically, the one who wrote the Proverbs said it within the Proverbs, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. No, he had truth, and he had the Word of God. He was writing the Proverbs. I'm telling you, he had a relationship with God, but his heart was stolen. His heart was stolen. Yeah. 1 Kings chapter 11, I believe it is, says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old, he was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. Hey, listen, if, if, God, if Satan can get your heart, you're finished. Yeah. Even in the midst of all of David's sin, he didn't, Satan didn't have his heart. David still wanted a heart right with God. Yeah. You've got to protect your heart. So what is the breastplate for the Christian? 
We've given the armor. What is it? Well, again, spiritual realm. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, and have it on the breastplate of, what's that word there? Righteousness. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, it's right doing. Yeah. It's just right doing. You want a really, like a really cool dictionary definition from somebody really smart? Listen to, listen to Webster, 1828. Not a bad dictionary. If anybody wants to get me a birthday present next year, I would love the uh, English Oxford Dictionary set. It's only about a thousand or so dollars, and um, but I would really like that one. But uh, Webster's 1828. Boy, that was a shameless plug, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. That had to be of the Spirit of God. Purity of heart. Listen, Webster's 1828. Righteousness, purity of heart, and rectitude of life. Whatever that means, right? Conformity of the heart and life. To the divine law. Conformity of the divine, uh, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Righteousness, as used in scripture and theology, in which it is chiefly used, is nearly equivalent, Webster says, to holiness. Nearly equivalent to holiness. Comprehending holy principles and affections of heart, listen, and conformity of life to the divine law. So watch, the piece of armor protecting our heart is righteousness. Righteousness is what? Right doing. What is, what is right doing? Well, it's just obey, obedience to God. It's obeying. So that watch, the breastplate of righteousness is put on every time we obey the Word of God. Isn't it weird how it's so similar to walking in the Spirit? <laughs> Do you know when you walk in the Spirit, you know what you got on you? Breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. James one twenty two, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That last phrase is very important, friend. If you if we neglect to obey the word of God, if we neglect to, what happens is self deception. Right to him to know to do good and do it not to him to sin. What happens when we reject the Word of God? Look what he says. He says, be doers of the Word. Doers of the Word, not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Every time you know what the Word of God says and we don't do it, we, we just begin to uh, uh, lay down layer upon layer upon layer of deception. I mean, you, you do it long enough and you know those people can't be hardly convinced of anything. Philippians 4.9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard... And seen in me, Paul said, do. Isn't that easy? Do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. What's it mean? You'll be walking in the Spirit. Amen. So what do we do? We gird up our loins with truth, which is what? Reading the Word of God. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is obeying the Word of God. Notice this uh, thirdly, and I don't think we're going to get past this one tonight, so we'll probably end up here and we'll pick it up again next week. But notice verse 15, what the Bible says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Roman sandal has, had a very distinct purpose in their design. It was The purpose was stability, the purpose was protection, and the pur uh, the purpose was agility and movement, all right? Their sandals, the, 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 the Roman military sandal would probably be our equivalent today of the, of the army boot, the military boot that the military wears. Uh, they were meant for fighting and battle. They weren't meant for going to the beach. They weren't, weren't meant for going hiking. They weren't meant for, you know, going to the circus or anything like that. They were meant for war. They were meant, well, they were meant to survive battle. They're meant to survive. And so the shoes that God gives us, the shoes that God gives us, thankfully, these are spiritual shoes, which unlike the shoes we wear, right, or the shoes that the military wears or the Roman soldier wears, unlike those that wear out, the, sh God, the shoes God gives us, you know, they don't wear out. Right? I like that. They'll never keep us from standing firm. The shoes that God gives us. They're spiritual shoes. They will never keep us from standing firm. They will, they will always allow us to continue to move forward. 
The shoes that God gives us will never be in the throes of battle and go, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, right? <coughs> You're done. <laughs> no, they'll always be right. They'll always be perfect. They'll always allow us to move forward. They'll always allow us to have stability and protection and agility and movement. Why? They're spiritual shoes that God gave us. So what are the shoes? Well, it says here, they're preparation. Verse 15, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, if it's your job to fight fires and you show up at a house that is fully engulfed in flames, right, in your sock feet, you're not prepared. I'm sorry. No, it might be a great emergency. We lived in a town once that had a rural fire district that wasn't very good. And uh, somebody told me, yeah, I went to, a, went to a fire and one of the volunteers showed up and his, he, had, he had bare feet. He was up on the roof and bare feet with his pickaxe trying to pick a, yeah, I don't want to tell you what town it is. I'd get out there and I'd get sued. But, uh, but, they, uh, but uh, yeah, that's not preparation. It's kind of dumb, right? I bet his feet were hot. Preparation. If you're a soldier and you're woken up by a bomb blast and you just get up and start running out to the battle, you're not going to last very long. The adrenaline's going to wear off. No, it's not preparation. These are preparation to the battle. Notice this, the preparation of what? The gospel. The gospel. What does the gospel mean? We know what it means. It means good news, right? It's the good news. Uh, the, the word you, like we get the word eulogy, means good. Angelos, message. It's the good message. It's good news. In those days before people, we know this, people were employed, right, to carry messages, and they'd run, run a message. They'd be a runner. And remember uh, when, uh, uh, when Saul and Jonathan died in battle, and here came the runners to uh, tell them what had happened. Is, 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 the, is the news good, right? And uh, this is what they did. Sometimes it was good, and sometimes it wasn't, right? But this person would be called an angelos. They'd be called a messenger. But unlike just being a messenger, this word is much more specific. The gospel doesn't just mean news, angelos. It means good news. Good news, right? And there is no better news than the gospel, amen? There is no better news that anybody could ever get than that Christ was born he shed his blood, he died, and he rose again, and your account can be clean tonight. Boy, there's no better news than that, is there? You can be reconciled back to your creator and be counted a child of God. Wow, that's good, good news. But it's not just good news, but it's better than good news. Watch this, it's the gospel of peace. Gospel of peace. Ephesians 2.14, we went through Ephesians chapter 2. Go back a couple of chapters here. Go back to chapter 2. Would you look at verse 8, 14 with me? That ye henceforth be no, ch no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body uh, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance, through the ignorance, that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I am in the wrong, absolutely wrong. Did somebody not just say stop reading, dummy? I knew that was, I knew that was wrong. I'm like, why did I write this down? Here it is. Oh, this now watch. This will make real sense. For he is our peace. Wow. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, you didn't even know where I was. This is perfect. I was just warming up. <laughs> Ephesians 2.14, For he is our peace. Now that makes sense. 
who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached, uh, came and preached peace to you which were far off, to them which were nigh, for though... For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Peace. That's what I was trying to get to. The gospel. Preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what the good news is? The atoning blood of Jesus has made us at peace with God. We have the peace of God. We have peace with God. And we have peace from God. We are at peace. I like that. You see what they accomplish, these gospel shoes? What do they accomplish? The, like, that, like that military sandal, they allow us to do several things here. They allow us to stand, right? We're told here to stand. Yeah. We need to be able to stand. They, 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 they give us the ability to advance, to move forward. Listen, if we're not moving forward in battle, we're being pushed backward. If you're not going forward, there's no such thing as stagnant, just sitting in one place. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. If you're not learning new truth, you're being pushed backward. What have you learned new this week in the Word of God? What has God illuminated this week in the reading in the, in the Word of God that you thought, oh man, that is wonderful. No, it may be something you've read a million times. You've done that. You come over and you're like, I have not ever seen that before. And I've read this 15,000 times. Right? Oh, I love that. No, if we're not, watch it. If we're not learning, if the Spirit of God is not illuminating His Word, we're moving backward for some reason. The shoes provide the ability to stand, the ability to advance, and of course they provide protection. We need protection, don't we? Yeah. Lead us not into temptation, Jesus taught us to pray. We need protection from false doctrine that we're not uh, taken by every wind of doctrine, right? And tossed to and fro. See, it is the gospel shoes that give the child of God the ability to protect their feet so they can stand and advance. So how do they work? How do these shoes that are the gospel, the good news of the peace that we have with God, how do they work? Notice this now. Remember the truth is around your waist. The breastplate is up here on the torso. And the gospel shoes, how many want to take a real obvious guess of where those dudes are? Where are the gospel shoes? Feet. That was hard. Yeah, they're on your feet. Do you know what? Hey, listen, watch this. Did you know the, 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 the great commission of the gospel comes with the command to go. Go ye into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The only Watch, the only way the, the gospel shoes work as the armor of God is when they are put on, preparation, and when the one who has them put on is actively engaged in preaching the gospel. So watch this now. The belt of truth that you're girding, pulling up all the, 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 the material of your, and girding about your loins, that belt of truth that's reading the word. The breastplate of righteousness, obeying the word. Those gospel shoes, preaching the word. Preaching the word. Reading the word, obeying the word. Preaching the word. Watch. When, that, when you're doing that in your life, you know what you have? There are two things. Well, you're walking in the spirit. And you got the spiritual armor on that help you to be able to withstand the onslaught of Satan. Some people can get the reading fine and the obeying fine, but can I remind you, we can't be missing pieces of armor. The preaching has to be there. You say, I'm, I'm not a preacher. 
what does preaching mean? Well, you're just giving them truth that they need to make a decision on. How do you do that? Right? How do you do that? Sometimes it's with a tract. Yeah. Sometimes it's God opens the door and it's, it's a word. It's a word. You know? They may bring up a subject. Boy, you know, my, my aunt is dying and it's just really sad and this and that. And you might have the opportunity to open the door open and go, have you ever thought about what's going to happen to you when you die, though? No, no, this is the preaching of the gospel. This is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Read the word, obey the word, and preach the word. Now, next week, Lord willing, I'm going to stop here because we've got to be done. We'll get into the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Let me ask you this tonight. Are you winning more battles than you're losing? Or are you losing more battles than you're winning in your Christian life? Are you winning over anger? Are you winning over bitterness? Are you winning over temptation? Are, are, you, are you winning over faithfulness? Are you winning over your stewardship? Are you winning over, uh, over the responsibility and the onus placed on us to preach the gospel? Are you winning or are you losing? Are, 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 you, are you trying to walk in the Spirit yeah. and find opposition is growing? Boy, you may, listen, it may be the last month, it might have been the last year you put a stake in the ground and the, the, the Word of God was clear and God told you this and you said, boom, I'm here. I'm putting a stake in the ground and I am living right here. I'm not going anywhere from it. And boy, all of a sudden, here comes the opposition. Right? The car breaks down, the, the bank account, something happens, you lose a job, right? Everybody's showing up on your doorstep. I mean, there's all sorts of things going on. That's not a bad thing, you know. <laughs> sometimes it means, you're, it means you're serving God and you're doing right. Satan, sometimes he does leave, leave those alone who are uh, not doing anything, right? Can I remind you tonight, your relationship with the Word of God will determine the victories that you have walking in the Spirit. Job, I need... Thy word more than thy necessary food. It's imperative. If we're going to win spiritual battles, we've got to have the word of God. So let me ask you tonight, are you reading? Say amen. I think most everybody in here can say that. Are you obeying? Is there a little area somewhere that the Holy Spirit of God says right here? Discipleship tonight, we looked at forgiveness. That's an avenue, of, that's an area of obedience. Just like we're uh, loving is is an is an avenue is a place of obedience. So too forgiveness is a place of obedience. Are you forgiving? Are you obeying what you've learned? Yeah. Are you preaching? Are you preaching? Are you actively in the morning saying, "Lord, I don't know who would come into my path today, but uh, I'd like to be ready for whoever might come into my path today. You give me an opportunity to give the gospel." I've had times I. Shame to say, not every time, but I've had times I've had to pick out plane tickets for a flight and say, Lord, you know, they give you this area to pick all your seats out, right? And I've said, Lord, which one? Which one? Man, had this young girl come sit down. She was yakking on the phone. You know, she's like, I'm in there. So I get up, let her in, right? And uh, you wouldn't believe how the door opened with the gospel. It's like, Wow. You do that every time? No, there's the indictment. No. <laughs> what a dummy, huh? Are you preaching the gospel? Are you preaching the gospel? No, listen, this is armor. If you want victory, this is all about the armor. This is the armor. Yeah. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the armor. Obviously, it means you want us victorious. It means there is going to be opposition, but it means that you want us to win. You want us to live in victory. And Father, you've provided everything that we need as we walk in the Spirit. You've provided everything that we need to live in victory and not become a casualty of the battle. Lord, would you create within us a heart for a love for your word. And then a desire and a yearning to obey your word. And then a great 
uh, desire and await to go out and preach your word. Would you help us to do that tonight? I'll be, we'll thank you for the victories that we get to see. The victories that we can help others with and direct them. We'll thank you for that. And just bring all of these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand tonight. What kind of victories are you winning? Maybe there's been some battles in your life. Instrument's going to play. Maybe there's some battles in your life that keep showing up. And you said, boy, I just can't seem to get victory over this. I just can't seem to be, have victory in this area or over this thing. or this, this one thing just keeps, I tell you, the arrows come in. They get me every time. They get me every time. Listen, if they're getting you every time, there's some armor missing. There's some armor missing. You're not walking in the Spirit. Yeah. However, the Lord's spoken to you tonight. You need some help with the armor tonight? Yeah. No. This, just isn't a, this isn't just a lecture tonight of how to, you know, some self-help guru of how to, how to, you know, get the best out of life you can. Yeah. This is what God has given us to live by. Pretty serious thing, actually. It really is. Read the word, obey the word, preach the word. You'll have on that armor. We'll get through the rest next week. So, all right. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Don't forget Wednesday.